Welcome to Town Hall Tattle, the podcast that brings you all the goings on from South Yorkshire's town halls. I'm Danielle Andrews, I cover Barnsley and Rotherham, and my colleagues Molly Williams and Julia Armstrong cover Sheffield, which has been in the national spotlight this week with the ongoing tree felling fiasco. Um, it seems to crop up every now and then still. Molly, can you talk us through what's happened this time? Yeah, so the latest is there was an explosive report that came out earlier this week and it exposed the council for dishonest, deluded and all-round damaging behaviour throughout the tree felling debacle. Um, it's a 100,000 words long, which um, Sir Mark Lowcock, who um, was the chair of the inquiry, said was longer than any of his books. And it details the findings of his long-awaited inquiry into the council's programme to fell 17,500 street trees. And that was part of its £2.2 billion streets ahead contract with Amy. Um So, yeah, some of the findings are that the council overstretched its authority in taking drastic action against campaigners, had serious and sustained failures in leadership and misled the public, courts and an independent panel it set up to deal with the dispute. Um, These are things Sheffielders have known for a long time, um, but the truth is now finally there in black and white. I think without a doubt, it was one of the biggest council scandals in history. Um, protesters were arrested, the council sought injunctions against campaigners and one of its own councillors, and an awful lot of damage was done, um, not only to the environment and the city's reputation, but also people's mental health on all sides. Um, reading through the report, in one of the testimonies, a protester said it took more than a year for them just to not flinch at the sight of a high-vis high gear, and there was lots of council staff who quit as a result of stress. I mean, that sounds like a really damning report. What What's the reaction been? Yeah, I think, you know, like reading it, it was kind of just scathing statement after scathing statement. It was an awful lot. I think, as 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 you guys will know, reading council reports, it's often quite dry. Sometimes you're kind of like sifting through to find gems. I think in this case, it was kind of just, there was so much in it and so much to go at and it's just so much damning information. Um, yeah, it was quite... Um, it was a huge one. Um, so campaigners said it was very emotional for them to read it after having been through so much over so many years and they felt vindicated. Um, those in power, unsurprisingly, said it was a very hard and uncomfortable read. Um, there have been apologies from the council, Labour, Amy, who was a contractor, and Lord Paul Scriven, who was the Liberal Democrat leader of the council when the contract was being drawn up. Um so Kate Joseph, the current chief executive, said it was too soon to say whether there would be any disciplinary action as the council was still digesting the report. Several, including the Lib Dems and the Yorkshire Post, have called for resignations from those who were involved and are still at the council. Um, I think it's kind of tricky because most of those who were involved during the height of the controversy, like Julie Dore and John Mothersole, who was the then chief executive, have already moved on. Um, Kate Josephs, the current chief exec, said there was nearly an entirely new senior team at the council now. But there is um, current council leader Terry Fox, who was head of the programme for a year before Brian Lodge, another councillor who is now chair of the finance committee, took over. And Brian was head of the programme during basically the height of the drama when we saw the huge infamous incident on Rustlings Road. Uh, and things like that. Um, Brian did offer his resignation, but Terry turned it down and said neither he nor Brian would be leaving. So why does that leave trust with the council then? Do you think people will trust 
Sheffield City Council after this? Yeah, I think like the whole Sheffield Chainsaw Massacre it is known. Um, certainly left a scar on the city. Um, some have been very clear that they feel that they cannot trust the council while those who were involved are still in positions of authority. Um, personally, I think the city has a very long way off, uh, is a very long way off being able to trust the council again. Uh, an unbelievable amount of damage was done. You can spend a long time building trust and it can be destroyed in a moment. In this case, it was repeatedly destroyed over a long period of time. I mean, we're not talking about a mistake here. They misled the public, the courts, the independent panel um, repeatedly said things that, I quote, were economical with the truth and ultimately disposed as dishonest. And um, this isn't just, you know, opinion or people saying, having a go at the council, this is fact now. It was in the report. Um, yeah, and so the council can't hide. It's all out there in the public now. Um, I think the truth and transparency that we now have from this report is a good start towards rebuilding trust. And certainly the tree, the street tree strategy that was uh, set up in recent years has worked well to keep the peace. Um, and the council is uh, by design quite different now. It's made up of mostly different people and there's a whole new system of working with the committees instead of a cabinet and strong leader model. And that was all thanks to public pressure as well. Um, uh, it's also with the trust, it's not just the tree saga. Uh, so Lowcock said it's like there was so much damage done to public trust and confidence that it's gone way beyond just the tree issue now. Um, all that being said, I think trust can be rebuilt, but only with an awful lot of time and an awful lot of change, and we're definitely not there yet. I mean, I see in comments all the time, whenever there's a council story come up, people still refer back to the trees, like you said, yeah. with the, the damage to the reputation and, you know, the, the damage to the trust that people have in, in the council now. So I don't think it's going to go away now that this report's come out personally. Yeah, absolutely. I think like it's just, I think so many people now, even like across the country, because it's become such a national and even like international issue that people think Sheffield, they'll think the tree scandal. It's just, was that infamous? It went on for so long. It's still brought up almost on like a daily basis. If you talk about any trust, transparency issue at the council, of which there are still many. I mean, FOIs are shocking. I'm still waiting on FOIs that I put in months ago. It's And, you know, there's been other things that have come out that the council's been hammered for over its lack of record keeping and stuff like that. And it all kind of ties in, I think, yeah. There's an awful lot of work to do and whether it whether it's up to the challenge, I don't know. Well, we'll have to see in the next few years, won't we, if they can rebuild that trust. Um, but I mean, we've had another controversial story in Sheffield as well, the opening of the clean air zone at the end of February. Um, Julia, what have objectors told you about the clean air zone? Well, the clean air zone, um, a lot of the people objecting to that are, are, are part and parcel of the uh, the mistrust of the council. I mean, it comes up all the time. If you look on the, there's some incredibly active Facebook uh, campaign pages where people just don't believe a word the council says. Um, and that's really fed into the anger about the clean air zone, which, uh, which is a government policy, which the council's brought in. But um, I mean, it goes into, some people are into sort of, um, you know, strange theories about stuff. But uh, it, the, the people I, a lot I spoke to, I think about five or six 
businesses who are, who are really, really worried about the clean air zone because it, if you're um, if you've got a, a small van, it'll cost you £10 a day. If you've got a large bus, lorry, whatever, that's going to cost you £50 a day. And there's, you know, there was um, at least two businesses I spoke to where they were worried they were going to go to the wall through it, basically, because um, because of the cost. Um, because it's okay saying get a, get a new lorry van, etc. It's an extremely expensive thing to do. The taxi drivers have been complaining in Sheffield and the uh, black cabs, hackney carriages, whatever you want to call them, um, they 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 were the the leaders of uh, the objectors from the taxi drivers were saying that most of them are thinking, well, we should if we've got to get a new vehicle, um, we might as well just become ordinary uh, minicab drivers, you know, where and it would mean that that people couldn't just hail a cab in the street or at the end of a night out or whatever, um, because it costs around seventy thousand pounds for a a hackney cab that will um, be um, that will not uh, that will not get charged because it's uh, because of its standard of low standard of emissions. And um, I'm not even talking about I'm really not even talking about a hybrid or electric. I'm just talking about something that is at, at, at the Euro six standard levels. And there's a two year waiting list as well. And uh, I you know I got the same story from people who use vans or lorries for the you know removal firms. Other uh, a furniture company which has been on Abbeydale Road since 1974, I think they they said that the, between that and the red lines that were meant to be coming in, they didn't think that they thought they were they've got another um, uh, building in Wickersley. They might just move the whole business out of Sheffield, and it's somewhere that is very familiar for anybody who wants office furniture, students looking for furniture, that sort of thing. You would have gone to Williams really if you wanted something good quality secondhand. Um, so it's it's really has sort of fed into the whole lack of trust in the council, and a lot of people think it won't solve the uh, the issue of air pollution. They they dispute whether air pollution in the city centre is as bad as it's meant to be, and they feel like it's just um, a money making scheme, basically. Um, Where will the council spend the money that it gets from the charges? Well, the money from the charges can only be spent on the traffic scheme itself, essentially. It can't be spent on anything else because of the legal, uh, the way that uh, that the councils spend their money. So, really, it, it that's not true. But you know, it doesn't mean people don't believe it, and it's because they're so annoyed about it. There's been two demonstrations in the city centre, and uh, a lot of people coming to the council meetings, a lot of people petitioning, etc. It's been pretty lively, um, pretty lively thing, really. I mean, I've been asked up here in Barnsley from people that travel to Sheffield about private cars. I know there's, the council say there's no plans to charge private cars at the moment, but a lot of people are very concerned that that will be brought in. Do you think it's yeah. something that they'll extend it to eventually? It's possible. I mean, in London, you saw the, um, in London now, you've got the ultra low emission zone. I think they've gone through four different phases in London. So it's possible. Um, and I think that would be huge concern. A lot of people are really fed up that the inner ring road has been, uh, included because that that's the way of avoiding the city centre, you know, to go around. And uh, but if you if you're on the inner ring road and you're in a commercial vehicle, then you get the charge. Um, and that will be the same for people um, in their private cars if they brought it in, obviously. So that would you know. And people are talking about you know death of city centre, shopping centre is not 
you know, because of out of town shoppings, various out of town shopping centres in and around Sheffield, city centre is not what it was for shopping. So the, the question is, do they just want to kill it all off completely? So it, it feeds into all sort of policies about the future of Sheffield. And ironically, you go into Sheffield city centre, there's a, a massive cranes and building work all over the place with the heart of the city. So people are saying, well, if, it, if this is happening, what's how does that make any sense? Really, you know, you're you're rebuilding the city centre, but actually stopping people from spending money going in there, because a lot of people quite rightly saying the bus services are pretty poor in most parts of well, we know across South Yorkshire, but it's not like getting on the bus is not an easy option now because um, although it's only two quid if you do it because of the the, the mayor South South Yorkshire mayor intervention on that actually. I can't remember now. I think a third of services or something have been cut or lost. So, yeah. And where are we up to with the red line scheme? I think there was a bit of confusion over where we we're up to with that. That was just classic, um, you know, old school, old school stuff rather than the new system where everyone's supposed to be interacting with each other. Um, Mazar Iqbal, who's head of the, uh, the the committee that's in charge of roads and highways and so on, also in charge of the whole clean air zone thing. Um, he he, there's been a, a very very loud outcry on Abbeydale Road and Ecclesall Road, where the idea was for bus priority lanes to be put in and um, extended, and lots of different things happening to make sure that buses got where they needed to be more quickly. Um, but there was going to be a red zone, a red lines, uh, so they could have, I think the idea is so they could have the AMPR automatic number recognition cameras to, uh, to, to, to enforce it. And that would have meant, that could have meant um, people not being able to park at all there. And a, a lot of Ecclesall Road and Abbeydale Road, there's lots and lots of independent small businesses that rely on people being able to either get dropped off nearby or people just parking locally just to pop into whatever shop or for whatever service and uh, there was a huge outcry about it um the, the greens said that everybody else was exaggerating and hysterical about the whole thing in terms of other councillors trying to whip it up um make that make of that what you will but local businesses really did a good job of getting their point through and what happened was that uh, Councillor Iqbal declared that uh, it would be taken, the red lines would be taken off the table. Now, he got called a liar by the uh, Douglas Johnson, who's the uh, the Green Group leader. And what Councillor Johnson was pointing out was because they've now got this committee system where one there's no overall control anyway, it's not like Labour, which is Councillor Iqbal, the Labour councillor, it's not like Labour in control in any case. There's there's uh, Nobody can just do anything off the top of the head anymore but because there was a referendum and Sheffield um, now doesn't have a cabinet system where somebody makes a decision actually what, what Councillor Johnson was saying Councillor Inkbar was a liar because he couldn't actually take that off the table he could certainly suggest it and the Lib Dems have gone along with that so essentially he was right they were both right and it, you know the, what the argument was is is that it's electioneering because Ecclesaw Road in particular is, is a really important area for the Greens. They've got three councillors there and they're clearly, um, sorry, the, the Lib Dems. The Lib Dems have got three councillors there. The Greens are breathing down their necks. So you can see that because the elections are coming up in May, it's all getting a bit, um, yeah, it's all getting a bit tasty at the minute. So that was interesting. 
Absolutely. I mean, I was going to end the podcast by saying next time we're here, we're probably going to be talking about the elections. I know it's all getting um, that way over here as well with um, the, the budget and the amendments and things like that. So I'm sure that's going to ramp up in the next few weeks in the build up to May. Um, I mean, over in in Barnsley and Rotherham, it, it's been budget time across the country. Um, Barnsley residents council tax has gone up by 3.9%. And um, the council said they had little choice but to put up council tax because it's facing £35 million increase. That's just to keep services running at the base rate that they are now. Um, and it's a similar story over in Rotherham. So council tax is going up by 4%. The council said that they'd have to make more than £10 million in cuts if they weren't going to raise council tax. Um, both Labour-run councils faced amendments to the budget, which is quite usual from the opposition parties. Um, the Barnes and Lib Dems suggested the purchase of a pothole fixing machine and the Rotherham Conservatives proposed spending £1.2 which was set aside to help vulnerable residents with um, council tax grants and things like that. The Conservatives proposed to spend that on solar grants for solar panels on people's homes. Now, neither of those went down well with the Labour administration and uh, both of Labour's budgets passed up here. So that, that's really what's been going on over in Barnsley and Rotherham. And we'll see you next time on Town Hall Tattle, where I'm sure we'll be discussing the May elections, which, as you know, it's all ramping up now at this time of year.